Welcome everybody to the third installment of a series of conversations that I, Paul Mugara, I'm having with my father, Benoni Mugara Mutana. Dad, would you like to say hi? Hello, hello everyone. Uh, thank you for joining us. We are so glad that from everywhere, anywhere where you are, you are able to join us and uh, that we would journey together in understanding a few of the things that God is teaching us these days. Yes, um, we've been having, we are going to have, and we have been having a, a series of conversations um, about calling. Um, my father and I have have very specific uh, conversations about ministry, about what it means to enter ministry, about what it means to continue through ministry, and what it means to maintain the main thing, keep the main thing, the main thing in ministry, because there's there there's something called ministry drift. You can enter thinking it's going to be one way, and 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 it drifts, and your mind drifts, and your calling drifts, and your vision drifts over time. And so there needs to be, uh, there needs to be a way in which you keep um, your focus in ministry and keep the direction moving forward. And um, today we're going to be talking about something that is. Um, that is that is very dear to my father's heart. It's called he called it personal purpose. Um, in fact, let me just pull up my notes per, uh, properly. He called it individual life purpose. And so, Dad, would you like to kind of open the discussion about this? I'd like to ask with a, to start with a, um, a statement that I remember when we were doing 50 Days of Purpose, um, the program organized by Rick Warren, um, uh, I would have known purpose-driven um, Purpose teacher. Purpose-driven by Rick Warren. Yes. If you've never and read the book, if you've never read the book, it's kind of an older book, um, but yes. it's a really good book um, where Rick Warren talks about, about living a purposeful life and there's a study that goes along with it. So dad, continue. Yes, that is the, the study is what is called Forty Days of Purpose, and uh, the statement that I wanted to reach out to is that there is we are not accidents. Individuals of us are not accidents. Mm. We have been purpose. We are on God purpose to be here by God, and there is a purpose for each one of us to mm. fulfill while we are still on this earth. So, individual. Uh, life purpose comes in uh, to emphasize the fact that we are not just a mass of people. Each one of us has been created especially by God to fulfill some purpose mm. in life. Mm. And when we are talking about ministry, the calling to ministry, it really uh, emphasizes something towards that as, uh, as kind of sorts us out those ministers sorts us out from the public uh, into ministry but even then in the ministry each one of us definitely has purpose has been as as a specific purpose to fulfill in the ministry yeah so um calling in this um calling in this context you you believe is purpose that when god calls you to ministry He's giving you your purpose for your life. Yes, yes. But, but even within that, there is specific niche for each person. There is a specific point where each person is being called to fulfill some aspect of ministry in mm -hmm. order to have the complete ministry of Jesus Christ in particular settings. Yeah. Okay, so um, so I guess that I, I guess that drills even even deeper because within the large word called ministry, there are specific things, um, there are specific silos or callings that you can have that fulfill the global ministry of Christ on this earth. Um, I think I think of the the famous passages in the New Testament about the gifts of the Spirit and how there are many gifts but one spirit and so to one one is given 
knowledge, to one one is given prophecy, to one one is given gifts of tongues, interpretation of tongues, on and on and on. Um, uh, would you say that that is, I, I'm not saying that those are ministry gifts. I know that those are, those are edification gifts. But would you say that it's a similar kind of thinking um, in terms of just understanding uh, what's, what your specific purpose is within Christ's ministry on this earth? Each one or each person, each person as an individual mm. has a, a point, has a, um, a point in God's heart, if I may use that as an expression. Yes. Each person has a specific um, place in God's heart. Mm. And when he calls us into ministry, mm. he wants us to fulfill that which he has purposed in us to be able to fulfill. Otherwise, we will be like, please allow me once again to use the example that I know. I am an Anglican minister. I am ordained in the Anglican church. And so I use the Anglican church. Please forgive me, Anglican people, <laughs> if I am messing up our things. But what happens is that when in the church, in the Anglican church, specifically in the church of Uganda, where I belong, mm wronged for 40 years. Um, when somebody is appointed, then they are supposed to have almost all the gifts that are needed to fulfill the work of ministry in a particular place where they have been uh, sent. Mm. You are supposed to be the person that chairs in the meetings of the leading council. You're supposed to be the one who follows them up because next time when they come, they will see what did you do. You are supposed to know that the minutes have been written. You are supposed to, you know, that those are some like the simple things. But also, you are supposed to visit the sick. You are supposed to be the preacher. You are supposed to 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 know to prepare children for baptism. You are supposed to prepare young people for confirmation. You and on and on and on and on. So much so that there is so much that. This particular person has been put in this ministry situation to perform. Yes, may not be able to do so because because there is so much that is being expected of this person, mm. and some of the gifts he has, but most of the gifts he doesn't have mm. in order to perform well. So, so basically, yeah. uh, when when someone gets put into a ministry position, they get overloaded with just the administration of the job and the maintenance of the job so much that they could uh, they could either lose sight of their purpose or calling or just never have the opportunity to discover it because they're busy with all the other things that need to be done. Exactly. You see, the children's ministry must be on the head of the person. The, the youth ministry <laughs> must be. The, the, the minister himself is not able to research or study in one place or another because there are other things that are being called uh, uh, for by the congregation, by the leadership of the church. On this particular single person who is doing being positioned in a single ministry, some of the churches, mm. they are fortunate to have more than one minister assigned and then they start dividing up uh, the roles. But if the music has not been good, it is the, the, the if I may use the word, the senior pastor is yes. the one who must answer. If yes. uh, children are not behaving well at Sunday school, it is the senior minister that must answer. If, you know, because uh, he is supposed to be the one who is doing all this, even when they have assistance. Wow. So, um, and so when, I mean, we're talking about it sort of in an abstract sense, but um, are, are, there, are there examples of this in the Bible where uh, people were called and had a specific purpose upon their, uh, th their lives? Let's start in the Old Testament. Mm. There are very interesting stories to look at. Mm. First, let's talk about um, I'm not going to Abraham because Abraham's calling is really specific and is one person. Yes. He doesn't seem to have anywhere to pass it except for himself. But we come to Jacob. Yes. Jacob has 12 sons. Yes. 
And uh, they, they, each one, I mean, some of them are shepherds, they go out looking after the sheep, and some of them are messing up their business of their father. But there is one of them, hmm. Joseph. Joseph is called upon and is given visions in dreams by God to show him the specific calling that he has and what he's going to fulfill mm. in the life of that family. Mm. And of course, person who reads the Bible knows that his brothers were jealous about it. They, uh, they even sold him into slavery. He arrives in slavery. He is now lied upon and by this woman and he's thrown into prison. So you look at Joseph's life up to this point, it seems wasted. Hmm. What is there that God was talking about in the dreams? Yes. Uh, but he doesn't seem to see it hmm. until then Pharaoh has dreams. Yes. Then the gift of interpreting dreams comes handy at this point. Hmm. And they, I mean, whoever is listening to us would know the story of Joseph. So the end result is that Joseph ending, ends up saving a nation from famine, but also saving his own family, fulfilling the dreams he had when he was young. Yes. So there is that specific place that God put Joseph in to, to save his family yes. and save the nations, and in particular the David. So that is one example. The other example. Mm -hmm. No, go ahead. Yeah. Go ahead. What's the other? The other example. Yeah, David. But I wasn't going to David because I like Daniel better in this particular sense. Sorry, sorry. Uh, I, I was I was preempting. I was looking at my notes. I really wanted to make a comment about Joseph, and I said David. <laughs> <laughs> but let's let's keep going. Yes, Dad. Talk about Daniel. Yeah. Uh, Daniel, Daniel, just like any other young boys, is wrestled into exile by Nebuchadnezzar. Mm. They arrive and they are identified as young people who would be trained. Mm. And they have been trained and um, uh, then they begin to perform and, you know. But because they worship the Lord God alone, they get headlong, with, they get into fights with Nebuchadnezzar. Yes. And, uh, and, and his uh, cronies. Yes. And, uh, but when Nebuchadnezzar is about to execute all the magicians and enchanters and the wise people, then Daniel comes in handy. God That's has put him in this. Place. What I find interesting about that story is that Nebuchadnezzar calls all the people in and he tells them, I want you to tell me what I dreamt and then I want you to tell me what the dream meant. <laughs> and the, and, the, and, the, and the, the wise men and the whatever uh, were like, no, why don't you tell us the dream so we can tell you what it meant? Then he was like, no, you guys always claim to speak on God's behalf. Okay, if you speak on God's behalf, yes. you need to tell me what I dreamt and then tell me what it meant. Um, and I yes. never, uh, it was only just a few years ago when I actually read that part of it and I went, oh my goodness, Nebuchadnezzar was on something else. <laughs> because he wanted them to tell him what he dreamt and what the dream meant. Um, and in so doing, he exposed them as charlatans. And so when David comes on the scene, as well, when Daniel. Daniel, sorry. <laughs> when Daniel comes on the scene, God gives him that revelation. And in so doing, it expo it, it, it surfaces his calling. Um, yeah. That all along, this slave that you had in your palace, who you had, you had removed his name. He wasn't even called Daniel at the time. They changed his oh. name to, to Zerubbabel or something like that. Belteshazzar. Belteshazzar, not Zerubbabel. Zerubbabel was one of his other friends. Uh, yeah. But um, yes, Belteshazzar. Um, they, they, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's really interesting that he steps into his calling. I'm sorry, I interrupted you. I just, I find that not, story very fascinating. Notice that the enchanter and the wise men knew this, where the uh, meaning of that dream would come from. They said to Nebuchadnezzar, 
this can only be done by the gods, and gods do not live among the people. Mm. So they did not have a way into the gods. Yeah, they just were lying, and they had and and. Quite, quite, Many, many leaders these days have advisors who are like that. Mm. But there comes this, this uh, uh, exile, the young man, and he comes in and he prays to God. Mm. He knows that's where the source is. He prays to God and God gives him the solution to, the, to Nebuchadnezzar's problem. And then he gets promoted. He gets promoted, him and his, his friends. Mm. So, the... the there is a specific place for Daniel. Mm. There is the, the Meshach and Abednego, and uh, you know they are there. They also have other roles, mm. but there is a specific place which only Daniel could fill. That's what mm. I'm trying to reach out for. Yes. Now let's let, let's let's complete this the Old Testament examples with a story, mm. um, and this is a story we find in One Kings mm. and Chapter Thirteen. And I'm going to ask you both to read it mm. because many people do not know this story. And some of them who know, this can refresh their mind, yes. especially about what we're talking about now. Yes. Okay. This uh, prophet is called the man of God. Mm. Uh, okay. Please go on. Go up to verse 24. Okay. 1 Kings chapter 13. By the word of the Lord, a man came from Judah to Bethel as, Jer as Jeroboam was standing by the altar to make an offering. By the word of the Lord, he cried out against the altar. Altar, altar. This is what the Lord says. A son named Josiah will be born to the house of David. On you, he will sacrifice the priests of the high places who make offerings here, and human bones will be burned out on you. That same day, the man of God gave a sign. This is the sign the Lord has declared. The altar will be split apart and ashes on it will be poured out. When King, Jerob when King Jeroboam heard what the man of God cried out against the altar at Bethel, he stretched out his hand from the altar and said, seize him. But the hand he stretched out towards the man shriveled up so that he could not pull it back. Also, the altar was split apart and its ashes poured out again, according to the sign given by, given by the man of God by the word of the Lord. Verse 6. Then the king said to the man of God, intercede with the Lord God and, and pray for me that my hand will be restored. So the man of God interceded with the Lord and the king's hand was restored and became as it was before. The king said to the man of God, come home with me for a meal and I will give you a gift. But the man of God answered the king, even if you were to give me half of your possessions, I would not go with you, nor would I eat bread or drink water here. For as commanded by the word of the Lord, you must not eat bread or drink water or return by the way you came. So he took another road and did not return by the way he came to Bethel. Now there was a certain old prophet living in Bethel, whose sons came and told him all that the man of God had done there that day. They also told him that their father, they also told their father what he had said to the king. The father asked them, which way did he go? And the son showed him which road the man of God from Judah had taken. So he said to his sons, saddle the donkey for me. And when they saddled the donkey for him, he mounted it and rode after the man of God. He found him sitting under an oak tree and asked, are you the man of God who came from Judah? I am, he replied. So the prophet said to him, Come home with me and eat. The man of God said, I cannot return and go back with you, nor can I eat bread or drink water with you in this place. I have been told by the word of the Lord, you must not eat bread or drink water there or return by the way you came. Verse 18, the old prophet answered, I too am a prophet as you are. And an angel said to me by the word of the Lord, Bring him back with you to your house so that he may eat bread and drink water. But he was lying to him. So the, son of, so the man of God returned with him and ate and drank in his house. While they were sitting at the table, the word of the Lord came to the old prophet who had brought him back. He cried out to the man of God who had come from Judah. 
This is what the Lord says. You have defied the word of the Lord and have not kept the command of the Lord that the Lord your God gave to you. You came back and ate bread and drank water in the place where he told you not to eat or drink. Therefore, your body will not be buried in the tomb of your ancestors. When the man of God had finished eating and drinking, the prophet who had brought him back saddled his donkey for him. As he went on his way, a lion met him on the road and killed him, and his body was left lying on the road with both the donkey and the lion standing next to it. Very sad story. Yes. Very sad story. Yes. But the reason I have reached out to this story, there are two things. One is that each person is given their own place or their own assignment. Hmm. The assignment for this young man of God was to go and declare what God had told him. Hmm. Notice it continues, says, by the word of the Lord. Hmm. By the word of the Lord. So he had the word of the Lord to declare yes. to, on this mission. Now he finished, and one of the things that he had been told is to go home, would not eat or anything. Definitely would feel hungry mm. and he would feel thirsty. Now, the second part of this is that um, then the, this older prophet decides to go and lie to the young man. And yes. he says, not what he says, the angel came to me. Mm. He does not say the Lord spoke to me. He says the angel came to me and said, Yes. And then, uh, of course, then he went back and he ate, and the end result is as the scriptures said. Now, mm. two things. One, the calling was on the young man to fulfill a particular mission. Mm. Just like each person who is called into ministry is called to fulfill a particular mission. But mm. often we do not go ahead to find out which mission Mm. We have been commissioned to do in this huge ministry. Mm. Okay. And uh, so we, we end up often, I have seen many who really are frustrated that uh, mm. they do not know, they get to the point where they are just doing it because they are doing it, but it is not what they have feel within their own hearts. Mm. They've been called to do. Mm. So, there is, for each person who's been called to ministry, who has dedicated their life to God in the ministry, God gives them a specific mission assignment. Mm. Secondly, once one has been given specific ministry assignment, watch out, protect it. Mm. This is what the young, the young man of God did not do. Mm. He did not continue to protect what he had been told. Yes. He fell for a lie. Mm. Fell for a lie and went and ate food where he wasn't supposed to eat. And then the word of God came to this old man who had claimed that he had a word from the angel. And the, the word came through him to declare mm. what the, 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 the punishment the young man was going to receive. Yes. And that's why at the end of the story, where we have ended, because it doesn't end there, but where we have ended, at the end of the story, he's dead, mm. he's mauled by a lion, and he's dead, and the lion is not eating his body, neither is it eating a donkey, which is mm -hmm. a meal. And, and, um, the, but the story continues. I wanted yeah. to end it there so that I make two, that, those two points. Yes. The, I, I want to speak to the young, to the young ministers. Yes. Because, especially in, what do you call the churches that have been there for a long time? Last legacy time you very interesting word. I said, I legacy, legacy churches. churches, yes. Especially for young ministers in legacy churches, you find there are other ministers who are already there and they have been there for a long time. Yes. And some of them, as if they're interested to guide, watch out what they say. Some of them will be extremely good. I was helped by older, older ministers in my work mm. as a minister. I was helped, but you have to be with a discerning spirit to mm. know what 
each one of them is contributing. Mm. I want to include in here something that I know I would be uh, scarred for is tradition. Mm. Some traditions in our churches, which has been established over the years, can easily lead someone to fail to fulfill that which God has commissioned him to do because you, this is not the way we do things. This is not our tradition. Mm. This is this and our tradition, this, our tradition, that. So I am not, I, am, I have included that in the older prophet image Yes, because they have been there by the time this young minister comes into ministry. Yeah. Wow. So um, that that's really interesting. Uh, so I guess I guess the, the 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 real question because we we come we come my dad and myself come from a culture in Uganda that 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 is deferential to to age and to experience. Now I currently live in Canada, where what is young is what is young and new is considered to be better than what is old and wiser, or wiser in quotes. Um, but the culture from which I came in Uganda is deferential to, to, to elders. We kneel, we, we bow to them, we call them uh, names of uh, endearment, and we, um, and, and we bestow upon them titles that they, <laughs> that they may or may not be um, well, <laughs> that that may or may not be necessarily good for them, but how in 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 your specific context where 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 age and um, and experience are, are considered to be like something that's 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 to be looked up to, how do you how do you develop that kind of discernment when there's sort of a blanket thing that everyone that's gone before you is wiser than you? How do you develop that discernment? Say, you know what, this this old prophet in quotes might be taking me off of my purpose or my calling. Well, it's it's, it's very difficult. Um, it has to go back to where we started yes. these conversations. Yes, so the fact that each one, each one who ends up into ministry, full time ministry has had a point where they have had an encounter, uh, hopefully, where they have had an encounter with mm. Jesus Christ himself. Mm. No, it could be that the, the, the recommendation came from someone else, but as they meditated on it and as they prayed through it, or it could be just that was, that, that was somewhere where one could go. Yes. Um, because there was no other place to go. But eventually, eventually, the Lord draws nearer to us and he speaks to us individually if we are listening. And that's where you get the particular assignment. Mm. Now, if that is not yet there, mm. then we need to go back to God and ask to be given the gift, particularly the gift of, of the Holy Spirit, of discerning, discerning, things, looking into situations and changing. It was the all, uh, um, I think it is, don't remember if it's Peter or Paul, saying that we must test the whole, we must test the spirits. So we have been given the, the ability to test the spirits yes. which uh, come to influence us. Yeah. Okay, so so where can we see this? Um, where can we see this calling manifested? We've kind of talked about the Old Testament. Where can we see it manifested in the New Testament? Uh, you, you talk about the group that Jesus asks to go with him to follow him. Mm. They follow him, and each one of them they have been having their different pro professions. One is a tax collector, one is a fisherman. There are several fishermen. Then there are others whom we do not know so much about, but they come and follow Jesus. Mm. Now, you do not see it when they are being prepared and trained, except for one man who was noisy, who always came in first to answer the mm. questions or to make a comment. And this guy, Peter, who was Simon, was then named Peter. 
Yeah. This, this particular one, at the end of uh, the, the, the ministry of Jesus, and Jesus is risen from the dead and he has ascended, mm. then he finds his place. On the day of Pentecost, when the Holy Spirit came, he became the spokesman of the community. Yeah. Okay, he stands out. And there were others that probably they knew the scripture better than he did, or, but we do not know. But he was, he was just moved mm. to be the spokesman. And from that time, he begins to preach. And, um, and so many people get to converted to be disciples of Jesus Christ. But later on, we find that his specific ministry is to bring the gospel, to bring the message of Jesus Christ to the Hebrew people, yeah. to his own people. Mm. So he, he knows that that's where he should go. That's mm. what he, he's been assigned to do. Mm. And he notices very well. And the other disciples too know that is where he is. Yes. Later on, the conversation, I mean, in the writings of Paul, he brings it out and says, as, as Simon was appointed to the, to the Jews. Yes. Okay. Then there are, these, another one is James. Yes. James would not really see him so much in the, in the activities during the time of Jesus. But when the church has settled down, Jesus is risen, Jesus has ascended, the church begins, the church is now under persecution. Who suffices as the leader? I have James. a theory about I have a theory about James. It's not yeah. my original theory. Let me let me share it with you. So if you're a big brother, my, I have a younger brother, Peter. I'm his big yeah. brother. If 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 your big brother, in this sense, me, was walking around saying, I'm the son of God, you would be like, Really? <laughs> You're my big brother. What's wrong with you? You know, we, we came from wherever. What are you talking about? So I think, I think that that's why James is not in the initial early followers of Jesus, because he's like, you, dude, you're my big brother. Stop. Um, but then I think, I think that over the course of Jesus's ministry, it became undeniable that Jesus was who he said he was. And then when Jesus is executed and he rises from the dead, I think that that's what convinces James to go, my goodness, like my brother is actually who he said he was. Because it's much harder to convince your family members um, than it is to, <laughs> to convince people who don't know you. So that's my theory about yeah. James. Not my original theory. Um, I first heard it by Andy Stanley, but I've adopted it as my own. I think that it is very fascinating to just kind of explain uh, why James is not there in before Jesus is before Jesus is. Um, uh, uh, death and resurrection and ascension, and then he's there afterwards um, as one of the leaders. Anyway, it's just a tangent. He had, been, he had been convinced earlier. He had been convinced earlier, and he is counted among the disciples of Jesus. Yes. But as for his leadership skills, they are identified in the, in the body of disciples after the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Yes. So, at the time when the church is struggling with the persecution, with ident identity, mm. are we to the Gentiles also, or are we only to the Jews? He chairs mm. a meeting in Jerusalem in, in Acts chapter 15, and they make a resolution mm. under his leadership mm. to accept the, the non-Jewish people yes. uh, in the way that... Uh, that uh, they, uh, they have been converted without having to change them to be like Jews first before you become Christian. Yes, the famous so, Jerusalem Council. Yes, he stood out. He stood out. The last one is the guy who, who came, became a disciple of Jesus Christ by default. Hmm. They're called Saul. Yes. Saul 
is converted on the way uh, to persecute the church and is, he ends up in Arabia. He spends there three years and he comes back. He begins to identify with the other disciples, but he realizes that he has not been called to the Jewish people, his own people, mm. but he has been called to the Gentile world. Mm. So he goes out to the Gentile world and that is how he has all these trips all over the Middle East, preaching the gospel and founding church, founding and planting churches. Mm. So not everybody was like that. Some of the people went along with him, just like Luke, for instance, or like yeah. Barnabas. So they were, another one is Barnabas. Barnabas just collected those who had been, been ostracized mm. and brought them into fellowship with the others. That mm. was his niche. Yes. That was his niche. Yeah. Yes. So, uh, so uh, this is really cool. We've kind of looked at um, individual life purpose, sort of from the Old Testament, from uh, Joseph's story. You you actually touched a little bit on Abraham, Abraham, the father of the nations. Uh, Joseph's story, um, Daniel, not David. We did not talk about David. We talked about Daniel. I was mixing up the names. Um, we talked about Peter. <laughs> Talked about Peter, the, the, the apostle to the Jews. Um, we talked about James, the brother of Jesus, um, getting appointed. We talked about Paul. We didn't even talk about the, the deacons um, and, and uh, Stephen, who was the first martyr, happened to be one of the first deacons. Um, and they had very specific gifts that they were looking for for these men, um, for, for these deacons. Um, to, to, to administer in the, in the early church. So it's, 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 it's cool kind of to have these snapshots of, of people with specific callings and specific giftings. Um, I really like the, the passage in 1 Kings. It is one of the, it's a really obscure passage um, that I was not very familiar with, um, uh, where, 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 where the young prophet gets pulled off his calling by an old prophet claiming to be speaking on God's behalf. So um, here's, here's where I'd like to move the discussion, Dan. So we, we have all of these kind of portraits. Yeah. But the toughest thing for us as ministers is to find that niche, that, that spot where your strength is, where your strength is revealed and where it works. Yes, you have the, um, in, in the Anglican context, you have the chat, you have the church meeting, you have to do the, the notes. Maybe you have to do, in my case, um, I'm, not, I'm not in charge of the church finances, but I have to do budgeting. I ha you, you have to do scheduling. You have to do training. You have to do, um, back, back to the Anglican context, you have to do baptism classes and confirmation classes, and you have to make sure the room is clean, and you have to make sure that the kids' ministry runs and all of these things. In all of that chaos and in all of that doing and administering the business of, of, of the church, um, how do you find your specific niche that sets you apart um, and that helps you to understand your specific place of ministry within Jesus's ministry on the earth? There are several ways, uh, but I want to point out what can be reached out by every individual. Mm. We had talked about the spiritual gifts. Mm. Well, I mean, you cannot do any, anything. You cannot talk about the ministry of Jesus Christ without talking about the spiritual gifts because mm. that's where everything is operated. Mm. But um, I, I'd like to recommend that anyone who would be interested in following up what we're talking about mm. has about two or three friends. Mm. Friends who you are close to, friends whom you trust. Mm. And these friends whom you trust as you continue fellowshipping together and praying together, they are in a ministry together with you. Mm -hmm. It is important that you look for the people who are in, in the same work situation mm. because they will understand some of your situations better than any, just anyone else. Mm. But find them and be, work out the, I don't know whether to say agreement, but work out a way in which you will continue to meet so that you can pray together 
so you can you can read the word of God together so that you can talk about the ministry together and be open to one another. In the East African Revival, we have a beautiful word called walking in light. Walking in the light. This yes. is where I fail here. I fail here, but I succeed here. Mm. If I fail here, what is on? What If I succeed here, what is on? So as you journey together, they will be able to point out to you or to me where they think my strengths, my strength is mm. in ministry. And the others may not necessarily have to be with you for that long, but they will continue, you'll continue getting invitations yeah. to places to do some ministry acts. And it continues to repeat. For instance, you somebody continues asking you to come and explain this. So we have reached in this series and we want you to come and teach us in this, uh, you know, they are identifying that when you handle the material as a teacher, you are better handling it than if you were an evangelist. Yes. So the other, the other person who would be into the, the strength of evangelism, they continue calling you and saying, please come, we have a mission. We are, you know, then they are helping you to identify mm. where, where your strength is. Mm. But the others is hidden. Yes. The others is hidden. You, no one will, is likely to talk to you about it. But um, uh, when you are in a meeting, like you are in a meeting, the, the church meeting or the retreat, as we call them, the, you know, you have taken a weekend off as, as the clergy, as the ministers, and they ask you, you know, now you, you be chairman, you be chair. You are not the original chairman or whatever, yes. but you chair, you chair. Then they are identifying leadership role in you. So, mm -hmm. so these things make a knot of them. Mm. Make a note of them. And as you go around, you'll begin to identify where they are more regular yes. than others. And that is a good place to begin <laughs> to pray and to file to search. Yeah. Um, I, I really like that. Uh, your gifting can be revealed by the ways in which people respond to the things you do. So if, right. you, are, if, if, you, are, if you are a strong teacher, people will invite you more to teach. If you're a strong evangelist, people will invite you more for evangelical-style events. If you're a good administrator, you'll find that that is kind of um, what, what you get invited to do or you get promoted or elevated for, um, and on and on. One of the things that I found in my own personal life, it did not – well – it, it, it started out very innocuously. Um, I did not know that I could be a good preacher or uh, maybe speaker. I knew that I was good with music. The music revealed itself early. But I did not know that I could be a good preacher until mm. my first assignment at Greenville Baptist when I, where I was a worship director. My my lead pastor at that church is the first person that coaxed me out and said, I would like you to preach. I would like to teach you how to preach. Um, and it was under his instruction and following his leadership that then I moved from simply being a music minister to also being a preacher. Um, so sometimes I think that also there are, there, there are older, more experienced people above you who through discernment can see a gift in you that you may not even see in yourself. And if you submit yourself to their leadership, they can cultivate it in you. Yes, we're having some challenges with this signal, but uh, I hope that it's okay. Okay, um, so what what would you say um what would you say to someone in in our previous two podcasts you talked about the fact that in the anglican church when you get given an assignment when the bishop says you go here you go there um what if you have the gift of evangelism but you have been put in church of the but you've been put in charge of let's say the treasury um, how do you navigate a situation like that? 
Um, th that means that, or, or there are two things. First, it may mean that the person who is appointing and transferring does not know that gift is apparent, does not see it. Mm. So it's it's just <laughs> like we need somebody faithful. We are we need someone to manage the the treasury. Uh, you go there. Mm. But if they already have identified, they may be putting you into missions and evangelism outreaches mm. rather than in the but they will have identified someone else who's stable about uh, uh, administration or something like that. Um, the, but if, if it happens like that, you go there, you go there, mm. but that does not cripple, shouldn't cripple you. Mm. you. You do as much as you can. And probably during this time, because once you have been in charge, if I am thinking about a diocese, for instance, where you have the bishop, the secretary, and the treasurer, who are the top people in yes. the diocese, yes. um, you are closer to the bishop, and you may be able to confer into him and say, you know, I accepted this, but this is not my, where my strength is. Mm. Um, and, and walk in light, walk yes. in light. Talk about yourself openly. Yes. Don't die uh, uh, silently, hidden in your coat. <laughs> <laughs> yes, come out and share. Um, in my ministry, I I never did come out to share because I think they identified uh, me much earlier than I I would have been able to share. When one day the Archbishop, who is the leader of the church in Uganda, Anglican yes. Church, called me to his office to tell me he was transferring me yes and uh, i protested but i couldn't protest before him because i wasn't very sure how he would take it yes but eventually i noticed that he was like responding to what god had put in his heart for me to be able to be a successful in ministry and so uh, I thank God for that. But I, at the beginning, I didn't see how I would have. But I love the young people, and the university is full of young people, and that was the attraction. But otherwise, it was challenging. Well, um, but when, when, then when, when I get there, sorry, yes, sorry. When I when I get there, then I unfold. Then I unfold. Uh, I be, I begin to see this is where I should be. And I started researching and studying and researching around where I was now. Yeah. When when we were writing, Sorry, when when we were in the process of of, of uh, compiling the stories for your book, you, we we talked about a an, an German gentleman who was walk who was working with the Church of Uganda. Um, early on, after your graduation from Bishop Tucker, you had not been given an assignment by your bishop. Um, and a German gentleman came and found you and brought you into youth ministry. Would you talk a little bit about that? I had, I had, um, uh, I had spent more years at seminary than anyone else needed to, um, <laughs> because I, I spent five years. Others spent three years. Uh, it was the two of us, uh, a friend of mine and I, we spent uh, five years because we did promotional study in the middle, and so we had to stay in for extra two years. Yes. But during this time, I had the opportunity of, of, uh, of uh, meeting and going to the meetings at St. Francis Chapel at that time was the only university. Yes. And uh, I went to some other colleges just to meet young people, just be with young people. And uh, the chaplain at St. Francis at that time and at the university um, would, was organizing camps for yes. the university students. And I, I would beg to go with them to the camps and they would allow me to go. Um, and uh, this, uh, the German man, Jürgen Kanz, uh, he would be among the resource persons. So somehow they found out that I was interested in, uh, in, in, in the young people. And um, so when they needed 
someone to fill a position at the national office of the Church of Uganda. Mm. He had in mind someone who had, who had seen earlier uh, in, in uh, youth ministry. Mm. And uh, he knew I was graduating, so he came to ask if I would serve uh, among the young people. I find it... So that's how... So finish your thought, Dad. That's how? That's how I found myself into the national office of the province of the Church of Uganda serving in the youth department. I find because it, I had been found out. I find it interesting that your, that your calling to work with young people revealed itself in different ways. So you graduated, Jurgen Kans um, finds you and takes you out um, and you work in the youth department. And then um, for those of you that, that, that don't know, my father uh, spent a season living and working in Canada. He, he went for his master's degree. Um, he went for his postgraduate studies at Huron College and the whole family, we moved to Canada. I was born in Canada during that time. Um, and even, even during that time, during your, during your internships and your time at St. George's and whatever, even though the work might not have looked traditionally like youth work, you still found youth work to do. Um, when you returned to Uganda, you ended up back at the, at the youth department. And then when you got sent by the archbishop to Makere University, you still, even though you were the chaplain and it was considered to be a different kind of job, you still figured out a way to bring it back to your calling to work with young people. I find that really interesting. And even now in your retirement at the Joy Center, even though you have a little congregation that meets there, you still found ways to reach out to the, to, to, to the students, and to the schools around and to be a chaplain and a spiritual leader in the areas around you. I find that just so um, cool to see how you have remained true to your calling. And so maybe, maybe let's end with that. Would you share some thoughts about kind of staying true to your assignment? It, it is very, very rewarding to be able to stay and do the work which your heart is all about. Mm. Because um, there are some who have gone into ministry in courts mm. and they end up doing all sorts of other things. And, um, and so, so, some, some want doing it so that they may be either promoted from one level of ministry team to another Mm. Uh, and, but, but if one identifies where your strength is and you remain faithful, the Lord will be faithful. Mm. He always is faithful because he is the one who put this in your heart. He is the one who put this on, uh, uh, into even in your studying, you may find that you like reading books like in this area. Mm. That's, 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 that's it. Stay with it. Mm. Stay with it. Mm. And sometimes, sometimes we, we, you may find that, that we talked about the old prophet in the Old Testament. Yes. Sometimes you may find some old prophets like that and they want to derail, they want to, to, to challenge you. They may appoint you to a certain specific thing, go there, find something to do. Mm. If you are appointed, for, I may use, into a parish, yes. and your heart is for youth, find it youth. If you are appointed to a parish and your heart is for development, uh, find development there in the parish because it is there. Yes. For strengthening, counseling, whatever it is that you have been called, you feel your your heart is uh, in the in the Lord's in Lord's gifting, where your heart is. Mm. Just find it and do it. It doesn't matter where you are. Mm. Doesn't really matter where you are. Mm. I almost refused to go to St. Francis because I didn't see 
my heart was on the Uganda youth and what the theme of Uganda for Jesus. Yes, some Uganda of the young for Jesus. Them. Yes, around about around about myself, and we had we had a group, uh, a choir, the band that was going, and we were going. We were. We would, I thought that my place was in evangelism, yes. but that's not where it was. It was mobilizing the youth. Yes, and the youth what they they know how to do. Mm, mm. Yeah. So stay there. Do not neglect the appointment that God has given you. That is yes. that is that that is so cool, and I think I think the thought. So I'm going to try and just kind of draw the thread through everything that we've we've talked about. I think the thread that goes through everything that we've talked about, right from the first podcast that we did, the first conversation that we did, is understanding your calling and receiving your calling and establishing yourself starts in a place of relationship. Your relationship yes. with God, your connection to him, your, your study of scripture, your knowledge of scripture, and also having, a, uh, having an honest self-assessment, because I think that a lot of people are not honest about who they actually are. <laughs> yeah. um, having an honest self-assessment yeah. is important. And then in that space, that is where God kind of puts his finger on an aspect of your life and says, hey, I've empowered this, I've gifted it, I'm going to use it. He can, he can reveal it through someone speaking to you. Some people get called into the ministry because people have spoken to them. I'm such a person. People yes. spoke to me and told me that God had called me. And that's how I got into ministry. Some people feel to call themselves in a powerful way, just like you, Dad. Um, you, you felt you had a radical transformative conversion experience and that led you into ministry. Um, some people, all other doors are closed and all other avenues are closed. And the only door they can see to walk through is a door into ministry. That's also another way through which God reveals his purpose and direction for your life. And, and, exactly. if, and if you remain if you remain tethered and tied to God and to his revelation in your life, and you always return to him and say, hey, what is the assignment that you'd like to do, you'd like me to do? He always reveals it. So we need to always remain, return to the giver of the mission in order that we remain focused on the mission and we do not lose our individual life purpose. So. Well, uh, I'm, 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 tickled, I'm tickled to end with this. Yes. That, you know, uh, a person like Joseph could have given up any time, yes. any place. But the fulfilling of what he had been called to do was yet to come. Yes. If, if, he, had, if he had not feared God as he revealed to the wife of uh, this uh, official and yes. said, I fear God. If yes. he had not done that, probably he would have whatever. Yes. But he remained. That's my call, my calling to everyone yes. to remain faithful. Yes. Yes. And with that, ladies and gentlemen, we have come to the end of our conversation this time round. Our conversation seemed to get longer and longer. Our first conversation was about 30 minutes. Our second conversation was about 45 minutes. This one's ended up being an hour long. So <laughs> thank you for staying with us for this whole conversation. Thank you for um, listening to our thoughts, mostly my dad's thoughts and my interjections. Um, and before we leave, um, I'd like to correct something that I said earlier. Um, I said that Daniel's name was Zerubbabel. Actually, Daniel's name was, Dad, re, re, uh, correct me? Belteshazzar. Daniel's name was Belteshazzar. Belteshazzar. Zerubbabel was not Daniel. Zerubbabel was Ezra. Um, and that was yeah. long after Daniel. That was when the Israelites were returning back to their land and they were rebuilding it. Zerubbabel yeah. was a prophet who was with Nehemiah when they were rebuilding the walls of Jerusalem. So uh, now that I have corrected my 
biblical timeline. <laughs> we will end our conversation now. God bless yeah. you and keep you and may his face and favor shine upon you and give you his peace. Dad, would you like to bless the people as we end this? The blessing of God Almighty, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit rest upon each one of you in whatever you are doing in his name, in your families, in your work situations, and wherever else, and continue to be with you now and forever, and we all say together, Amen. Amen. Okay, ladies and gentlemen, we'll see you next time in our continuing discussions. God bless you.